Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And on this episode, it is all MCU all the time. Um, thanks to world events, we are not going to be watching and reviewing Bloodshot this time, as uh, as promised. So we will... Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll circle back to that. Um Yep. Well, you know, Jamie, like you said, the world uh, has put everything on lockdown, yes. much like this movie did for <laughs> our famous Captain America. And so we're, we're looking into Marvel, you know, and this is uh, what one of the first Marvel movies review, reviewed. Um, I think so. Yeah, I mean, oh uh, all this episode, and as much Marvel love as we talk about on the news, we've really kind of given the Marvel Universe uh, a, a cold shoulder. So We're doing it with wrong. The, with the cold shoulder, we're getting the Winter Soldier. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was so bad, it was good. It was exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if you can't dance all the way home, get down the stairs and make it glorious. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. Well, but before we get into um, our uh, main review, we need to keep it 100. It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. All right. And this is the portion of the show where I'm, uh, I'm going to do a little bit of the uh, explanation stuff because I'm hoping to pick up some new listeners. Everybody's cooped up in the house. Maybe some folks are finding us <laughs> on their podcasters. <laughs> so um, Keeping It 100 is the part of the show where we um, pitch some stuff to our listeners and to each other. These are some quests we're encouraging our uh, listeners to go on. And Dwayne, you get to go first. And uh, due to technical difficulties, I'm using my phone for my Skype tonight. So I don't have a counter. So Sammy, will you do the counter stuff for Dwayne? <laughs> I got you covered. I'm about three seconds from being there and I'm ready to go. So I'll uh I'll go ahead and take off Sam, Sam while you get ready there. <clears throat> okay. All right. This week I would like to uh throw out a Netflix recommendation. I know everyone's talking about Netflix and chill while we're locked in. Well, while we're locked in, I would like to encourage you guys to check out an ep- a show that I had referred to a while back on one of our news episodes, Lock and Key. Uh, this is a really neat show, dropped a few weeks ago, uh, as the date of recording goes, um, adapted from a, a comic. Uh, you have the Lock family. Uh, coming back to their ancestral home, Key House, after the murder of uh, Mr. Locke, the father. Uh, mysteries ensue, alternate dimensions, different realities, all kinds of neat, creepy, weird things. And I'm not super far into the show. I'm taking it kind of episode at a time, and it's just getting really neat, kind of really creepy, and a ton of... Of fun. So while you're binging on your Netflix, check out Lock and Key. Alright. Okay, Sammy, I believe you are up next. Are you ready to go, sir? I am ready. And go. Alright, so as we've already said, we are going to be talking about Captain America Winter Soldier. Now, if you love this movie, then you need to check out Ed Brubaker's run on Captain America. 
Brubaker began writing Captain America in Captain America Volume 5. So that's cover dated, I think, January 2005. And he wrote this series and wrote Cap for 100 issues, okay, going through different types of things. But these first few trades especially are fantastic. Brubaker is responsible for bringing Mr. James Buchanan Barnes back from the dead, and that was a big deal. We all know death in comics is fluid, and when I was growing up, the joke was, is it Bucky dead? But, you know, they kind of changed that now on us, right? But his run of Captain America is an excellent example of how different genres can be brought into a superhero comic. Uh, espionage, spies, government cover-ups and agencies. Uh, hands down, this is my favorite run in Captain America, probably since the Lee and Kirby revival of suspense. So uh, definitely check out Ed Brubaker's work on Captain America. And that's my keeping it 100. I have read some of that, not all the 100 issues, and I've loved it. Um, it's one of the things I'm working my way through Marvel Unlimited right now. Uh, it's good. I went back through the first trade just after we, you know, watching the movie just to see, you know, maybe some places the Russo brothers kind of cherry picked from the story. And it was just, like I said, it was cool to go back and kind of reread some of that. It had been a while. So, but it's great. Yeah. All right, Jamie, I believe that brings us to you, sir. All right. Okay, I'm going to pitch a the first book in a series. The first book in the series have the same titles, the 100 Cupboards series. It's a YA fantasy trilogy written by a guy named N.D. Wilson. Um, the, pre- the protagonist is a preteen boy named Henry. Um, he goes to stay with his relatives uh, <laughs> after his travelogue writing parents are kidnapped in South America. Um, it's okay. They didn't like him, and he didn't like them either. Uh, he spent his entire <laughs> life in boarding schools. Um so he goes to stay with his relatives in Kansas and they prepare room for him in the attic. And his first night sleeping in the attic, he notices some of the plaster coming off the wall and he gets intrigued and he tips at it with his fingernail. And a little more plaster comes off and he tips a few more and there's a cupboard door under the plaster and he tips them off until there are 99 cupboards on his wall. Ooh. It is, but it is an outward facing wall. There's only the outside on the other side of the wall. But the cupboard's open to some place and some places. And adventure, intrigue ensue. Um, But what I love most about the series is not just how how crazy it gets, but also the authorial voice. Indy Wilson is a quirky writer. Um, and 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 I love it. And his ideas are so off the wall. And so 100 Cupboards is the first book in the series. And, uh, as long as we're social distancing, this is a great way to social distance. 100 Cupboards by Andy Wilson. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. So I, I think uh, definitely locking keys on my list. Uh, I also have the trade for that, the first trade downloaded on Comixology. So I don't know if I should watch the TV show first or read the play. Jamie's going, no, no, no. I have heard heard there's some significant differences between the show and the trade. I read the first trade. I didn't enjoy it. I think that the previews I've seen for the show, like like those little 
minute long like things before the picture starts moving on you on Netflix, <laughs> it looks it looks a thousand percent better than the trade was. Uh, okay. I did not I did not enjoy the trade. All right, I was wondering because you know with uh, Umbrella Academy, I watched the series before I read the trade, so I wasn't sure which way I'd approach this one. So maybe I'll watch the series first. <laughs> you might like it. It wasn't for me. <laughs> Okay. Well, speaking of academies, one thing that we do like to do on this show is give a grade. So, Sammy, why don't you go first and give us your thoughts and grade on this classic of the MCU universe? All right. So, as you guys said, this is our first foray into the MCU, as much as we do talk about it. Um, you know, but this is the second movie in the Cat franchise. And I keep forgetting that this was actually part of Phase 2. You know, it's one of those things, I think, after watching all of these movies over 10 years, you forget what phase they were all part of. <laughs> right. uh, and this movie really develops Steve Rogers. You know, that the concept of that man out of time that I think is such a big part of what makes captain america who he is you know they really play that up by bringing back elements from the first avengers as well as bringing those touchstones to bring cap into a modern context uh i forget how much this movie directly impacted so many pieces especially the agents of shield television series this had a huge effect on it um and I wonder if there are some aspects of this movie that could get dropped into Black Widow and the Red Room at some point when we eventually get to see it. So uh, those are some <laughs> thoughts. I'm going to be really honest. Um, this may be high for some people, but this is an A-plus movie. This movie is an A-plus for me. The two times I've watched it, I've just loved every minute of it. So A-plus. Uh, Dwayne? Excellent. Uh, That is a a good synopsis of the movie. And yeah, you do forget uh, with a lot of these movies where they fall in the timeline with things being introduced, you know, the the, the Avengers thread, the Thanos being introduced, uh, Hydra becoming such a thing. Um, And this was a really neat, I loved, loved, loved the first Captain America. Um, It was just a straight up classic war movie. Adapted to a superhero, had a lot of heart, a lot of soul. Um, you know, we, we saw uh, Chris Evans in a couple turns as superheroes uh, throughout the years. And most notably, uh, you know, Johnny Storm with the Fantastic Four franchise that, that you know, some people love, some people hate. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it, um, but I really think this movie is i didn't quite get to a range um i, I was trying to be a little critical uh, <laughs> i was i was trying to be a little critical here there's some things in the movie that don't quite pay off for me uh, and, and i'll get into that in my pants a little bit later but this is as close to an a as i can get it's a b plus if not an a minus it's it's right there it's a great 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 movie okay right. uh so Dwayne's wrong um, <laughs> um, this is my favorite superhero movie, period. And Captain America is one of my two favorite Marvel characters. I love him and Miss Marvel. I have trouble deciding now between the two. They're my favorite. Um, but this is also one of my favorite spy movies because this is as much a spy movie as it is a Captain America movie. 
which it's really fading that Robert Redford's here because of one of my other favorite spy movies is Three Days of the Condor. Um, And so I I just, it fits perfectly. Um, I I love this movie. I could watch it over and over again. Um, It's an A+. Uh, Dwayne, I don't know what's wrong with you, man. This is a great (laughs) flick. (laughs) And I think it is the high point of the MCU. I think I think it's as good as it gets. Yeah, uh, I, I tend to agree. I tend to agree there. Uh, well, now that our grades and thoughts are out of the way, um, let's for the rest of the seas shed some more of our dismiss. Graphically novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not so classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically novel. Three brothers who like each other but love comics. Okay, we're back with our fans <laughs> here, and uh, I, I know I'm getting uh, a little bit of shade there from my co-host. <laughs> but um, you know, Jamie, you alluded to to my biggest fan of this movie. This is one of the best spy movies. Uh, for the for the context, uh, I love how Marvel has taken the genre movies and filled in the blanks with the superheroes and made them work, and made it happen. Uh, you know, you have the war movie with uh, with uh, Captain America the first. We have the spy movie with this. We have the science fiction movies with Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, you know, and comedies with with even Ant Man. You know, the Host movie. Uh, it's just so much fun. But that's my biggest fan is is how well this works as a spy movie. All of the secrets that you see uh, uh, Nick Fury and Natasha, uh, you know, hiding, and then the big reveal of of Hydra infiltrating Shield uh, is just amazing. All right, All uh, right. that's a good one, Sammy. What you got? All right. My biggest fan of this movie is this movie is an emotional gut punch. All right. I know that doesn't sound like something you'd be a fan of, right? But to <laughs> me, this is everything that can be done right with a comic book movie. And I'm putting air quotes around that that you can't see right now. All right. <laughs> so every element is just perfectly placed by the Russo brothers. There are no throwaway scenes. This, this is emotionally impactful. Cap's crisis of conscience tears me up every time. Okay, Along with the story, the characters, every character has his or her place. You know, I know all this builds the end game, but these smaller character moments we need because this is what makes us care about Cap, Tasha, Sam, Bucky. And I don't know about you all, but I can't watch the scene with Steve and Peggy without getting misty, as Jamie would like to say. It upsets me every time I watch that. And I watched it twice to get ready for this. And both times, (laughs) it just tore me up. Um, You know, but so this, like I said, it sounds like an awful thing when you say it's a gut punch. But that's the great part about this movie. It's an emotional roller coaster. And I'm a huge fan of, of everything that that's right about that. All right. All right, guys. <laughs> There are three of us. And so I try to always prepare three options for things I'm a fan of. Um, and usually you all pick one or two of them off my list. 
So they all, you didn't pick any of them. Oh, wow. so now, so now I've got to choose between my three fans. Going on here. Oh, okay. I'm going to go the one with the one that nobody has even alluded to yet. Um, this movie is action packed, and the action is fantastic from yep. the word go. I mean, the the, the opening scene. Or they make Batrock the Leaper cool. Yes! <laughs> I can't yes. believe they managed that. But the scene on the boat from the, from the second he jumps out of the plane without a parachute to the Batrock fight, I mean, the whole thing. Then there's the, I mean, the famous elevator battle um, when they take Fury. Mm-hmm. I mean, the chase. I mean, the, whole, the, the, the concluding action was awesome. I mean, the action in this movie is great. And who would have thought that doing paintball episodes on Community was the perfect preparation to make... An action movie, but <laughs> but the action's easy to follow. It's always exciting. Sometimes the action can go on too long and you just kind of get numb to it, and it stops mm-hmm. being riveting. Um, but this is, the action scenes in this movie are really creative. Um, they're doing a lot yeah. of different things with them. Um, and, but I love that everybody fights in character-specific ways. Like everybody's not just doing the same kind of action. Like Cap fights differently than Natasha does, than <laughs> Fury does, than even Batrock the Leaper. Um, and I even like how Bucky stalks like he's a horror movie villain. And there's like yeah. some of those scenes he's stalking like he's Jason Voorhees or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just I love the, the action in this movie, and uh, I thought somebody would pick my other two. <laughs> <Can't believe it. laughs> Well, I, I agree entirely with you. The action is so intense, and like you said, it does not get old. Uh, Jamie, just briefly, uh, let's let's have a quick mention of those two. I'm kind of curious now if Sam's okay. not opposed to that. No, but um, I don't mind a bit. Okay, I'll do it quickly. Um, I was going to highlight uh, Chris Evans' uh, portrayal as Captain America. I, I, I think I think he's as perfectly suited for Captain America as Christopher Reeve was as Superman, alluding to one of our earlier uh, reviews. And my, my last one, I was going to highlight the cast. Just how how deep the supporting cast in this thing is. Now everybody is just nailing it from the word go. I mean, Anthony Mackie is perfect as the Falcon for the perfect. second he shows oh, up. Oh, it's just fantastic. Yeah. On your so, list. Yeah, I thought somebody was going to grab those two, one of those two things. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, that may come into my awards. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we'll be hearing some of those things a little bit later. Yeah. You know, I... Um, I said that uh, you know this was a B plus movie. I know you guys gave it both an A plus. I can't argue that fact. So I guess I need to defend myself a little bit. So let me run to the kitchen and grab my frock pit. Okay, and we're back with our pan section. Jamie, share your love. Uh, well, I, see, I do love this movie. So the pan was probably the hardest thing I had to work on here. I I, I think this is about as flawless of, of, of movies that the MCU has. Um, I had to think really long and hard to come up with anything. So here's all I've got. Um, when, when you have a shared universe like this, one of the problems you've got is when one character is doing a solo movie, you kind of have to try to explain where everybody else is. Like, why doesn't he call Tony Stark? You know, why don't you get your Hulk for everything? Um, and you, you need to have some throwaway line, some explanation, like Tony's with a blonde in Malibu or something. You just, you, you got to have some throwaway line, and they make no effort. There is no explanation to why they don't just call Tony Stark, why they don't call Bruce Banner, like, you know, why they don't do these things. Um, I mean, they know Thor. <laughs> 
he's probably not in Hydra, you know? Um, but th there's not even any explanation. It's like the rest of the MCU doesn't exist for the purposes of this movie. And I just, I mean, it's a nitpick, and it's little and it's tiny, but it's, it's all I've got. I would, I would have liked some little throwaway line. There's no effort made. The only thing they do is they name drop Stephen Strange before Doctor Strange came out, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. On the uh, on the watch list, that was yeah. Awesome. Sitwell drops uh, Strange's name, but <laughs> all right. So uh, you know, I was the same boat as Jamie. After rewatching this, I had a really difficult time coming up with a pan. I mean, I'm going to be real honest. The only, and once again, I had similar. I had to kind of just nitpick. You know, and mine is, you know, every one of these main characters really take a beating. Okay. They get beat up. They get a building dropped on them. They get car <laughs> they get shot. They get all these things. And with the exception of Cap, none of the others really have height and endurance or anything. Uh, so to me, that's where you get a comic book movie. You do have to suspend some belief that an actual human could sustain this degree of damage and still continue on. And to me, that's the comic book side of it. And that's really the only nitpick I have with this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I had to dig on that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. I'll tell you, uh, my, uh, my biggest pan, and really, I'm, I'm with you guys, one of my only pans, uh, one of the few pans. And this really did uh, bother me a little bit because being a fan of Star Wars and even being a fan of the Expanded Universe. See, I got my Star Wars mentioned in. Okay. <laughs> So, so this, what you're saying is there were no spaceships in space. That's what's a big place. This movie uh, really uh, affected the the MCU in a way that even Agents of Shield had came back with a complete restructure after this movie. Aside from Agents of Shield and a few minor mentions. In other movies, there wasn't as huge an impact I felt with the that dissolving of Shield, you know, being a Hydra agency uh, and being kind of taken down throughout the universe as there should have been or could have been. It seems like they kind of just dusted off some old, uh, you know, uh, sky carriers and went about business as usual when they could have really uh, melded this into a struggle. Uh, even in, in um, you know, with uh, the the Thor intera uh, the Thanos interactions and uh, and uh, uh, Ultron, um, and that that seems kind of like some uh, a thing that they sort of dropped the ball on. Granted, the mystery of the Winter Soldier and the resolution there was great. The history that we have was phenomenal. I loved it. But that was a story thread that I thought could have impacted the cinematic universe a little bit more than it did. And not, you know, having to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I was never a fan of in the first place, to get the impact of this movie. Not many people were watching this. <laughs> well, and, and, and yeah. that's true, you know, and that's, the big, and that's the big complaint with the Star Wars movies, especially these new ones, you know, and Jamie, you yourself were speaking, you know, you had three novels giving us background so we could understand the force awakens you know and and kind of everything tying in there so you know, i don't need to read a novel i don't want to necessarily watch a tv show to understand what's going on in my movie if my movie's going to make this big huge impact and it's going to 
you know, reshape the whole universe. It needs to do it in more than just a very low-rated TV show. Well, you know, here, here's my thing, and, and I'll just kind of throw this in to keep defending this movie. Um, but, you know, here's my deal, though. Um, we talked about George Lucas and his ability to, did he know ahead of time what was going to happen? I wonder how much of Phase 2, they already knew, oh, we're going to get, I mean, I knew they were laying breadcrumbs for Thanos, but do you think they really had everything in place? Or were the mid-credit and after-credit scenes just getting you ready for the next movie? Because this one introduces Pietro and Wanda at the Manian and gets you ready for Age of Ultron. You know, but were they really to a point they were like, oh, this is going to be parts of the Infinity Gauntlet. I think that was kind of a retrospective, hey, let's do this, 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 and this. You know, yeah. so I think this movie just basically was leading to the next piece. It was that yeah. tease for the next movie. Yeah, exactly. That's what it was doing, you know, and you had a very strong um, overseer, executive producer with Kevin Feige molding the universe, uh, you know, as well as you can with multiple storytellers and multiple directors. But I, I think we were supposed to believe that the way the movie ended, when, when Natasha does the full dump of all mm-hmm. of the secret files onto the internet, that all of Hydra got exposed. And yeah, I think right. I think we were just supposed to tie off the storyline there and never revisit it. Yeah. And I, I think that's why they showed her testifying at Congress. Like, this is over. We can move yeah, on now. Over. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, but Hydra was such a thorn in Cap's side. You know, I hate yeah. to see that. I hate to had seen that dropped. But I think, I think you're right too, Sam. I think there, there's a lot of tap dancing until, I think after Ultron, they yeah. start thinking further down the road. I think there's a lot of tap dancing. A lot of tap dancing. Yeah. yeah. And I really, I really wish Von Strucker would have become a stronger character because I like Baron Von Strucker. <laughs> yeah. I was so happy to see Zemo again, though. Yeah, I'm so yeah. pleased that we're going to get some more Zemo in the Winter Soldier and Falcon uh, show. So, you know, we've, 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 Loved on this movie. We've beat up on this movie. Well, let's go and get the awards. So here we go. All right, our best performance. Uh, is our first award, and you keep, Dwayne, you keep, like, gushing, but you still gave it a B plus. so I'm really confused. Maybe you can straighten things out for us here in the awards. So you get to go first. Who's your best performance? Well, um, in, a, in a movie with a, a, a hundred possible right answers, um, I'm going to go with Sebastian Stan's Bucky, Winter Soldier. Um, he really portrayed menacing the physicality that we didn't necessarily fully see realized in the first Avenger, uh, you know, with, with Captain Barnes's character, uh, you know, he's just so cold, so calculating, so menacing, so focused. Uh, Jamie, like you said, he stalks in like a, like a serial killer from a Halloween movie or Friday the 13th, whatever. And he just completely, wreaks havoc upon our heroes um, especially when you know he's taking down nick fury and then he has the interactions with with uh, falcon and natasha and steve and gets his mask torn off and you see the realization from cap 
and just a pure dead stare of who's who the heck's Bucky? You know, <laughs> uh, he carries this movie a lot for me. Well, I, I'm going to jump on that because that's who I had to. Um, and I, I agree with the same. I, I love the stone faced killer parts, but I wanted to highlight a specific scene. And it's the scene where they've brought him back and they're mm-hmm. sort of debriefing him mm-hmm. and, and the whole, like they're about to mind wipe him again. And I just love the, the emotional struggle you see on his face. I mean, that, that scene especially shows I mean, this guy can actually act. He just, he didn't just borrow Chris Evans medicine cabinet. Like he yeah. actually can act. He acts his butt off. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, it's a great performance, but that, that scene, especially in that, and that last battle with cat, I mean, there's some real emotional depth to his performance, this movie. And I, I really, I really dig that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, well, you two guys gushed on Bucky. I have to go cat. Okay, so we're going to go to the other side of that coin. And my best performance goes to Chris Evans. Um, You know, the Winter Soldier is just that example. And Jamie, you said this of why Chris Evans was perfect for Steve Rogers. Uh, His acting, he embodies that that pathos of the character. You know, we get the feel of this guy who's a transplant from another era who's just really trying to figure out the modern world. The internet is so helpful. I mean, when he's got, and then you he's got Star Wars slash Trek. He's got all these different things written down that, you know, I can't imagine missing, you know, 60 odd years of, of history. Let me put that the, on the list. Just to be dropped back in. Yeah. Uh, and I think he plays that well. And so to me, best performance for me went to Chris Evans as, as our captain. Uh, and it's, it's so hard to pull off that humble earnest thing. It's not easy to do these days. I mean, we're, yeah. we, 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 we more readily accept like cynical snarky characters yeah. that genuine earnest boy scout of a guy. Like we don't, I mean, it's hard to get people to play that. And it's hard to get audiences to like those people. And Chris Evans pulls it off. So I, pulls I don't it off so well, yeah. I mean, even that line and I never lie. <laughs> You know, I mean, that that's like straight out of like a Christopher Reeve Superman from the set from 78 <laughs> that we talked about in, yeah. you know, 2000, 2014 is when this movie released, I believe. So, I mean, you're right. I mean, cynical characters tend to co- go over better, but but just he's so nuanced this guy. So, yeah. Uh, our next um, now we 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 have a, a set of four that we usually do. We always do four awards. We kind of split it this time um so best scene is getting split into best action scene and best non-action scene so sammy what is your best action scene all right i feel like this is a little bit of a cheat because my favorite action scene starts with the whole overpass scene and goes to the realization uh, that Bucky is still alive. Okay, that whole section is just amazing, and it's pacing. You never feel like it drags. Like you said, Jamie, it doesn't feel like it drags on too long. It's perfectly paced. We get this numerous opportunities to see our protagonist and antagonist face off in different ways. We see different fighting styles. We see cap sled on a car door. You know, we've got all these things. I I feel sorry for Anthony Mackie's stunt double having to roll across that, uh, you know, the the asphalt there. But, uh, you know, and even the way the sound and the music are used in that, 
big action chunk scene that I've just kind of went with. Uh, but yeah, that's going to be mine. So overpass to the realization bug. He's alive. Favorite action scene. Well, let me jump on that too because I did the exact same cheat. I've got in my notes <laughs> that entire 20-minute block of the movie, whatever that is. I picked the same thing. Oh, um, well. But it, it's it's riveting, man. It is. You yeah. can't look away. I mean, if if you fail the phone test there, you're doing it wrong. If you pull <laughs> out your phone during that scene, you're the problem, not this movie's problem. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Well, I will uh, I will go a little bit of a different direction and uh, not saying that that is not a great scene. I, I thoroughly enjoy that scene, but a scene that grabbed me was the opening scene, the infiltration onto the boat uh you know and and i think sam referenced it earlier you know from the moment he jumps out of the plane was he wearing a shoot <laughs> no no he wasn't wearing a shoot you know that whole thing where he's running around uh, you know being caps swinging the shield boomeranging the shield off people you know taking guys out you know stealthily uh that whole section from the time they start to the time they they leave the boat and he walks into fury's office you know, is is just a great scene. It's a great setup. I love, like you re- referenced, uh, you know, they made Betrock the Leaper great. <laughs> you know, I thought you were thought you were more than just a shield. You yeah. know, and so he sticks his shield on his back, takes his helmet off. So okay, let's take this man to man. And yeah. uh, and and you know, even the, even though the actor that portrayed Betrock is an is an MMA fighter by trade, he's not really an actor. Uh, you know, his his even. His face is like, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> you know, and that just gets me cranking for this movie all the way. Yeah, you know, Batrock's one of those characters that he gets played for laughs a lot. Uh, and, you know, I found really interesting when I was looking back at some of these characters. You know, Batrock first appeared in the same issue with Agent 13. So it's kind of interesting <laughs> that both Sharon and Batrock were both introduced in this movie also because they were – uh, both introduced in a Tales of Suspense issue together. So it's kind of, yeah, cool. I like, um, there's a series that nobody read because that's why it got canceled, um, called the, uh, was it Unbelievable Gwenpool? Mm-hmm. Uh, Rock <laughs> serves as kind of a mentor to Gwenpool. And it's, it's the only time that Batrock was cool. It's been cool in the comic books. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> There's a Spider-Man cartoon. One of those, the shorts that he battles Batrock and Batrock just bouncing like a rabbit all over the place with a, with a really bad French slash Algerian accent. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, this movie is jam packed with so much action, but there are some really heavy some really meaningful moments of, of non-action, uh, some heartfelt scenes, some tragic scenes, even some comedic scenes. Jamie, what would you like to highlight as a great non-action scene? Well, I've, I've got a weird one. Um, and it's this small moment in the movie that hits me every time I watch it. Um, so it's after Hydra has been exposed and, so like all the like the Hydra the Hydra people that are pretending to be shield agents, the shield agents that are really shield agents all start fighting. And it's when Rumlo goes to the main control room and he goes to the little technician guy who is not I mean, he probably skipped the gun portion of shield training. I mean, this guy, he's a he's a you know, he's a computer jockey. He's not in the field. And Rumlo holds the gun to his head and tells him to turn the thing on, launch him early. And the guy is terrified. And 
but he summons the courage to say no. Um, and he doesn't do it. And just the, the courage that takes. Because, I mean, everybody else, I mean, Cap's got superpowers. Black Widow basically does. I mean, everybody else, you know, has, has the training. This is, just, this is just a keyboard jockey. And he, that's, I think this, that, that is, to me, for my money, that's the most heroic moment in the entire movie. This little guy stands up, at, knowing he's going to die. And he does the right thing. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. Um, my favorite uh, non-action scene is kind of a small moment as well. Uh, there's so much heaviness. There's so many great scenes in this movie to pick from. But I really love the introduction of Sam and Falcon as as he's running and and Cap's running around him and, and he's you know on your left. He's like, no, man, no, you know, and, and, and they have this little interaction. He's trying to catch up, and you see him, you know, lean up against the tree, dying later. And he's like, you know, I need his new set of lungs. He's like, hey, I'm Steve Rogers. He's like, yeah, I kind of gathered that. <laughs> <laughs> he says, you know, go, go, take another lap. Did you just take it? I'm gonna assume you just took it. You know, uh, you know, just just his his humor, his interaction with Steve, his uh, you know, asking him, you know, hey, come come by the VA and make me look cool to the girl at the desk. <laughs> Yes, yeah. know, just, 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 just kind of be a guy, you know. And uh, you know, it's like you're, you know. Then they get to talking about the bed and, and their time in the field and how difficult it is adjusting back to civilian life. Is really, you know, those little character moments are really what make this movie. Uh, aside from the action, aside from the heaviness, it's those character moments that make you fall in love with these guys. Yeah, that that's one that always stands out to me because you know we think of Captain America the superhero. But thinking of him in kind of framing him as a combat veteran mm-hmm. and, you know, Sam also in this movie, that, that <laughs> you know, I think that's a strong scene. Um, well, you know, I it was even telling in Avengers when, uh, you know, Steve uh, and uh, Bruce Banner was on the deck of the helicarrier and uh, Bruce Banner says, you know, this must be crazy to you. And he says, no, actually, this kind of feels like home. It kind of seems normal. You know, yeah. it's, it's just what it is. Yep. But go continue, Sam. I'm sorry. All right. Um, you know, that that scene that you just talked about, Dwayne, is always in my top scenes as far as non-action in this movie. Uh, I think the one that emotionally impacts me, I've already alluded to, the scene with, with Steve and Peggy. Mm. Um, it just is that that is just so emotional and their interaction and and the fact that that he's happy that she's had a full life. And that that she found someone, and and all of those things, and and then when she, it's almost like she has this this moment uh, of maybe kind of I, I don't know. They don't really say what's happening if it's just age or if it's Alzheimer's or something. But it's almost like she drifts back for a moment. And, and when he says, you know, I would never leave my favorite girl, you know, it's I mean that that scene. Like I said, it just it gets me every single time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's beautiful. It's well acted, um, you know. And, and I don't know if it's one of those things that that I kind of superimposed maybe my grandparents, you know, because they were of that generation into a scene like that. You know, my grandfather wasn't Captain America; he was to me. But you know that kind of thing. But but I think that's maybe where some of that comes for me. But that's yeah. definitely my favorite non-action scene. Yeah, the, the greatest the, generation. Yeah, yeah. The, but the, the the moment where she goes Steve and like meets him again for the first time. Yeah, that's, that's where it gets yeah. me, man. That's where the room gets dusty. Yeah, yeah. for for me. 
Yeah. It's it's pretty heavy there. Uh, but, you know, she's such a great character. Uh, and this movie is full of characters. So, speaking of a great character, um, I kind of went this a little bit on the nose uh, of, of a person who is an actual character. He's just got a, such a great and lively personality in this movie. I love Sam Wilson, the Falcon's uh, portrayal by Anthony Mackie in here. Um, he's probably one of my favorite uh characters in the new uh you know this new iterations of the superhero movies and he just took this and owned it and to be introduced you know in this movie he really stands his own uh you know against uh sam jackson uh you know chris evans scarlett johansson he owns as much of the screen as they do when he's on it he, he does what they do only slower yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. No, I, I think I think that's. I mean, that might be the right answer. Um, but I went a different direction. I picked a Black Widow. Um, this is this is okay. my favorite Natasha movie so far. Um, I love the like you know, I like the part where she says like where she's only she only pretends to know everything, <laughs> and you know she you know like all the all the lies in her past and the, all the I mean all the stuff that she's been through. You can see it. And the way she approaches different scenes, um, some, just sometimes just in the face acting, um, you can see yeah. that she's a character Agreed. with a lot of like co- internal conflict. And um, I just think this, this is the best Black Widow we've got. Hopefully, we we'll get an even better Black Widow movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shortly. But uh, yeah, I think Black Widow is still the show for me here. All right, awesome. Um, I think I've got to go with Sam also. You know, I've got to go with Anthony Mackie here. I, I, I do agree with you, Jamie. I think this is my one of my favorite versions of Black Widow we get. Um, and the growth in her character that we get from the beginning of the movie to the end. Um, but, you know, Anthony Mackie just makes such a presence from the moment, from the first scene all the way through. And, you know, Falcon is so closely connected to Cap in the comics. Uh, that's where the Falcon gets his first appearances in Captain America. Um, you know, and it provides such a great counterbalance to, to Chris Evans. You know, Chris Evans is going through all of this emotion or emotional turmoil, and Anthony Mackie is trying to bring some levity. And, and I think it's a good counterbalance to Cap in this. And, you know, Cap needs someone to be able to trust and I love that Sam becomes his his kind of touchstone for trust in this movie. Uh, and even the fact that Sam works at the VA, you know, he's used to listening to combat vets who have come home from the war. So he provides also the sympathetic ear for Cap. So, I mean, all of those things just build that character for me. Yeah, and going back to Dwayne, um, maybe not Dwayne. Did somebody pick? Somebody picked Anthony. He's been talked about before, anyway. But Anthony Mackie is so good as Sam, even though he's had so little screen time and has spent so little time with Captain America. His performance as Sam is so good that mm-hmm. when everything falls apart, he doesn't know who he can trust. He shows up at that guy's door. You're okay with it. Yep. But, if, but if Anthony Mackie's it. performance wasn't as good, or somebody else was in that role, you would not believe you go to some random guy's door. But, that, but that's how good Mackie is. You just roll with it. Like, yeah, that's who you go to. Yep. Yeah. Agree yep, that's completely. It. That's it. Yep. Sam, um, what's your best quote? 
All right. Uh, you know, there are so many hilarious lines in this. And you guys know I usually go to something funny. Um, but I went to something serious this time because I think, you know, Cap is in a serious spot. So I think a serious quote is is important here. When Fury shows Steve the hel- the new helicarriers and talks about Project Insight, Steve says, this isn't freedom, it's fear. And I think in a post-9-11 world, this is a significant talking point, especially 2014. I think it's still now, you know, how far do our rights go and how much are we willing to give up for the idea of freedom, of the idea of safety? Um, you know, art imitates life. And this that line is, to me, is very much a line that that's a question I think we've all maybe asked, you know, in the past 10, 15 years easy. Yeah. Um, Uh, Even with everything going on today, within the last few months, uh, kind of with all the changes and and scares that's happening, you know, uh, today, I went a little bit of a different direction and I'm going to pull a, a a trope from another uh, podcast that's near and dear to us. I could not settle on just one. <laughs> I, I tried and tried and tried and went round and round and round. And I even asked my son, I even asked my kids, what's the best quote in this movie? And, you know, it, it, Alton mentioned one of them to me uh, that, that was on my mind that I was kind of battling with. And these quotes aren't these, you know, these serious, insightful, this isn't freedom, it's fear. You know, it's not the revelations of some of the things that happen here. Um, my first one is Steve, when he's speaking back to uh, Sam, he says, you can't run everywhere. And it just kind of shows me how his growth as a character, how he's come to even a... Uh, you know, more modern thing from what he used to be, how he's accepting of the modern stuff, but he's still figuring it out. Also, uh, my other one that I couldn't decide from, and it's because, uh, you know, Sebastian Stan is such a great role as Bucky. And when he realizes, and he asks the man on the bridge, who was that? You see the confusion. You see the 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 hurt there. You see how he's realizing, I'm just a tool. I've never cared before, but these are people. There's, there's a flicker of memory. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, well, since Dwayne cheated, I'm going to cheat too. I had two. I was having trouble. Uh, okay, <laughs> trouble with you. Um, I've got a serious one and one that's a little bit funny to me. There's the, uh, we didn't mention this during the best action scene, but the elevator fight scene. Yes. So as they're going down, I mean, Steve realizes what's about to happen. <laughs> and, it's, and so he kind of looks at it and goes, before we get started, would anybody like to get off? Yep, that's a good <laughs> I, one. I love that. <laughs> It's one of those ultimate tough guy moments, you know. Oh yeah! Before we get started, uh-huh. <laughs> I love it. I agree and, completely. And then the serious one is when, uh, at the end of the movie, when Steve repeats Bucky's line back to him and says, "I'm with you to the end of the line." Yep. And yep. and that's that, that's emotionally impactful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. If anybody cheated, I'm throwing one more in the end. <laughs> I was I was going to ask you, Sam, if you want to. I need to a funny that. one then. My freedom and fear one is a bit heavy. Well, my favorite funny line 
is when Sam asked Cap, how do I know the good guys from the bad guys? <laughs> bad guys the one shooting at you. <laughs> I found the bad guys, Cap. <laughs> I think that's the bad guys you were talking about. <laughs> oh, that's so great. <laughs> That is so good, <laughs> and uh, and another one that I like. I'm just gonna throw this out there. Then we have, then we have to move on. Sorry, guys, but I like when the, the opening scene that we were talking about earlier, when Natasha rolls it to pick him up. She asked to the didn't tell the waits was to the Smithsonian. She's gonna pick up a fossil. <laughs> <laughs> I just I love that. It makes me laugh. Yeah. All right. Uh, our last award tonight is the biggest surprise, um, and this is this is a spy movie. There's lots of twists and turns. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I get to go first here, um, and I've got a weird one, weird reason for why I picked this one. I picked Robert Redford being the bad guy, and it's not because of the plot, because plot-wise, it should have been clear that he was the bad guy. But it's Robert it's Redford. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. And I just thought, like, business-wise. Robert Redford is not going to sign on the dotted line to be the bad guy. There's no way. And he does it so well. He does. But even that scene where Bucky's in his house, I'm like, man, poor Robert Redford. Bucky's going to off him. And I, it, it's when he starts talking back to him. Like, I don't believe him. I'm like, oh, look, he's going to weasel out of his. I don't believe him until he shoots the housekeeper. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm so glad I had two picks. <laughs> I'm so glad I picked you because Jamie, that was my first, and I had such a surprise. I mean, knowing that, you know, even that Robert Redford's want to be the bad guy. Yeah, I, I, that that was uh, that was my. But, but I'm so glad I had two picks. Uh, the other biggest surprise, I love Zola's reveal of the long game. Um, and I even liked the introduction, uh, you know, uh, back of Zola as the computer. Uh, you know, uh, the the trope from the comics. He's just this big mainframe of, <laughs> of uh, you know, magnetic tapes. And uh, as he reveals the long game to Cap uh, and, and how Hydra throughout the years has infiltrated and just nudged and nudged and nudged society to uh, this point uh, is really cool. I really dug that reveal. And I love they incorporated his robot body into that computer. Yeah. Yep. I, ca- I cackle time. every time. Yeah. Yeah, I, yep. I cackle. Yeah. Yep. Right. Oh. what's your biggest surprise? Okay, biggest surprise. I'm actually going to take the both of yours and kind of mash them together a little bit because you know yes a heel turn by robert redford <laughs> Roy hobbs with the bad guy you know i wasn't expecting that when it happened um you know bringing in zola and the depths of that you know but i think to me the biggest surprise you know and and when i thought about this it kind of builds off both of those is the depth that shield had been compromised and the personal betrayal, not just a betrayal of the country, but this is a personal betrayal to cap because SSR was formed by people he cared about Peggy, Howard Stark, Captain Mm -hmm. Phillips. These were people he loved and respected. And to have that, that, Basically, you know, the, the rotting of the roots, so to speak, you know, of, of S.H.I.E.L.D., I mean, that was a huge surprise. And the more I thought about it, and like I said, Roy Hobbs is a bad guy. But, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. 
my my natural wonder boy come on no uh, but yeah but that would be mine so yeah well speaking of the rot from the inside and the corruption of shield a thing that always brings joy purity love and talent to any role he's been given be it good or bad we always fall in love with his characters this is our keanu reeves jamie how does the winter soldier connect to keanu he doesn't have a bionic arm he could possibly be in cryostasis the way he stayed in shape we know he's talented (laughs) we know he's talented but he could be the greatest spy ever but how does this movie connect to Keanu? Okay, well, before I get started, I do want to say for uh, any new listeners who may have found their way to our show, um, this is a thing that we do. <laughs> <laughs> After our first couple of episodes, we realized we brought Keanu Reeves up on every episode, and so now we just do it on purpose. And so that's what we're doing here. We're connecting our whatever we're reviewing back to Keanu. Always has to draw a line. Always. One, a one-to-one. We, we don't play the six, you know, Kevin Bacon rule thing. We, this has got to be one-to-one. Now, I've got one this time. All right, so several years ago, the first movie in the proposed series came out, and I loved it. Um, it was a sci-fi movie where there were people with paranormal powers. They were on the run from a shadowy government. Um, there were government agencies everywhere with people with other paranormal powers. I thought it was exciting. It was interesting. I was pumped to get – I think it was supposed to be a trilogy. I was pumped for the rest of the movie. It ends on a cliffhanger. Unfortunately, it was just me. Um, I was all alone in my love for this movie, and the rest of the series was never made. I never finds out what happened. What happens after the the cliffhanger? The movie that movie was Push, um, and it's not our Keanu connection. Um, I just wanted to talk about Push for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> However, Chris Evans was the star of Push three years before he became Captain America, and this was just but. Just one year before he was in Push, he was in Street Kings with our beloved Keanu. Oh. Chris Evans is our Keanu connection. So Captain America is our Keanu connection. <gasps> All right. That is really neat. I would not have drawn that, that connection. <laughs> Maybe because I've never seen either of those two movies. Maybe. Yeah. Push is great, man. It's it's the like the an awesome first installment in a trilogy. I mean, nobody saw it. I mean, absolutely no one saw it. I love that movie though. Um, but, uh, but yeah, nobody saw it and it's never going to happen. Um, and it's kind of okay because if that had been a trilogy, he wouldn't be Captain America. He would still be making push movies, but, um, yeah. But so for our next quest, we're doing something different. Um, we did our draft in uh, late December, where we pick random stuff, and we on purpose make sure we're a family-friendly show. We want to we want to make episodes of uh, things we can recommend to people to watch with their families. They can listen to with their families. Um, but Dwayne's a big fan of Quentin Tarantino, <laughs> 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 so um, there are no Tarantino movies themselves that we can review on the show. So Dwayne wanted to do a Tarantino retrospective, so he chose that in the draft. So it's finally upon us. The Quentin Tarantino retrospective is next. So yeah, I wanted to kind of highlight some of his career, and, and you know, these are movies we can't necessarily talk about on the show, but they've had <laughs> such a huge impact in cinema and, uh, and and home video, and the way that movies are made, and the way characters are developed. So 
pick up a, a couple of uh, Tarantino movies uh, after the kids go to bed or maybe listen to them with headphones on. And, uh, <laughs> there's, and there's a fistful of them streaming. I think, I think it was like four that we found on Netflix. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's four or five streaming. And uh, of course, you know, uh, if you have a, a, a deep movie collection, you may have a couple on your shelf. I know Pulp Fiction was a big hit. Uh, you know, the Kill Bills were a ton of fun. Uh, he's he's got his fingers in a lot of things, as we'll find out uh, next time. So I don't know. Tarantino seems to kind of have a, a geeky, nerdy overview of movies and and, and this really in depth knowledge. So as you're checking out the Tarantino movies, the depths of cinema, Jamie. We're going to social distance, but while we're doing that, we're going to keep it nerdy. <laughs>